0: It's not buy versus build, it's buy and build upon. That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable with me, Ariel Nissenblatt.
1: And me, Brian Barletta. Thanks to Magellan AI for sponsoring this article. Did you know that Magellan AI is hiring? Join the Magellan AI team to help brands, agencies, and publishers buy and sell podcast ads more intelligently. Go to Magellan.ai for more details.
0: Ryan Mario Barletta what's going on in Barlettaville
1: oh that's what gosh. I call your house uh, yeah. <laughs> uh it's uh, I mean things are good you know we got uh Bridgers three and a half months Theo is three and a quarter years old so it's a uh, it's a lot um, but it's fun it's fun it's starting to cool down in Texas which means 50 degrees in the morning and like 85 in the afternoon <laughs> so no appropriate clothes to wear at any time but it's good. It's good. We're spending a lot more time outside, and we're we're exploring. Uh, what's going on with you?
0: I'm I'm swell. It is uh, it is fall time in New York City, and I'm enjoying the weather that is not yet horrible, but is a little bit breezy, but is a little bit warmer than expected because of global warming, which makes me happy. Sad because it's good for me right now, not good for my grandkids, but. I am planning a road trip down to Florida for Thanksgiving, and I'm really excited. So I want your podcast recommendations, mostly history stuff. So if you think of anything, let me know.
1: Well, my go-to is Lindsey Graham for history stuff. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to beat that. I got a back catalog of his stuff to get through anyways.
0: I, I say this all the time in my head, and I want to say it out loud right now. If you ever need to think of a new trailer for your podcast and you need inspiration, his... Most recent uh, podcast drop is called History Daily and the trailer is like triumphant. It will make you feel like you're about to take over the world. It is so good.
1: It's like the workout music of podcasting. Is that what it is?
0: I would run to it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I'm excited when you come back from your trip. I'm excited for you to tell us what you binged so we can get some more recommendations. Hell
0: yeah. Well, Brian, today is Kevl Day. Yeah. It's one of my favorite days.
1: Did you know they used to be called Adzerk?
0: I was wondering where Kevel Yeah, came they from.
1: changed their name. Yeah, Kevel's new. And you have to go to kevel.co not kevel.com which because kevel.com is uh, is a device that's great for Thanksgiving. It um it helps you extend your uh, pants, closing your pants when you can't button them all the way huh. because they don't quite fit. <laughs> Ke-
0: so Kevel is like a a, a pants product? Uh,
1: apparently Ke- a kevel.com huh. is a product to when you're when the Button won't quite close in your pants anymore.
0: Yes.
2: Editor's note, uh, Kevil.com currently does not exist anymore. No! It, it redirects you to Kevil.co. <laughs> oh, they so bought they, it. <laughs> they've, won, they've won the war.
0: They won the war. <laughs> well, oh, okay. it's Kevel.com and Kevil.co Day, both of them. And I'm excited to talk about Kevil because this is a product that I have – experienced without experiencing it and then today yesterday when i listened to your interview with james avery i learned more about it and um so brian before we jump in can you tell me what is Kevl?
1: so Kevl is an ad server it works in basically any environment that you could need an ad server it is completely self-standing and it allows you to focus on the core of what you're building with the content aspect there and connect to an ad server that handles the brunt of the load for you. So you don't have to build it yourself. It's it's a really cool product that I don't think you would ever really need to come across, right? Mm. It's a few layers deep for like the surface level for even the sounds profitable audience. It's definitely tailored towards the ad tech companies already in the space.
0: Right, right. So in your conversation that folks will hear in just a moment, you and James talk about PRX and how they use Kevl for their ad server. And that's just not something that the consumer would ever need to know about, that the podcast consumer would ever need to know about. But you are reaping the benefits of experiencing this without even knowing about it. So that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. You're right, it is a few layers deep. Okay, so for the initiated, you know what an ad server is, you're good, you're good to go. So earmuffs for the next few seconds or skip ahead. But for the uninitiated, what is an ad server?
1: An ad server is a piece of technology that allows you to put ads into your content. So that can be in any platform, right? You have the content, you have your website, you have your podcast, you have video, and it's when there is a place for an ad, it makes the request, it finds the correct ad by using all of the different metrics that can determine which campaign is available, what targeting makes sense, all of that, and provides the the right ad back to be placed into the content for the end user to see it and for the campaigns to be run successful.
0: And you say see it because not only can an ad server be for visual ads, but also for audio ads, right?
1: I say see it because you're right. It, it does cover more than just uh, audio ads. Actually, audio ads is a very small subset of what Kevl does because it works across Everything. So there are a lot of partners that work with them to handle their video, their native, their display, their podcast or audio, all of it in one central location, which means that smart decisioning engine gets to determine the success of that campaign across all of those mediums if the campaign is measured that way. Um, And yeah, I I think I'm still, even with 13 years in in ad tech and a majority of it now in podcasting, I still default to seeing an ad or clicking an ad. When I get on a roll, I need to get better at that.
0: (laughs) That's so funny how you and I differ in that way. I think of ads really just as audio at this point. Yeah, of course I come across visual ads all the time, but when I think of ads, I'm thinking of podcast ads. I'm thinking of Bombas. I'm thinking of Allbirds. I'm thinking of all that. It's really, really interesting how that works. So, Brian, why is Kevill's technology uniquely suited towards podcasting and audio?
1: I think that podcasting has a serious lack of mature ad tech in it, and it's not a knock. A lot of the ad tech that we built has been from the ground up, and the problem there is that We're very siloed off. Each company understands their specific needs and their clients' needs and only builds towards that. They don't build necessarily towards the greater market. They don't build towards the standards of traditional ad tech. Kevl is built to be a silo of ad tech. And so to me, what's attractive is this is the closest thing we have to a titan like Google or someone else coming in here to say, like, this is how a campaign is set up. This is how delivery works. All of those structural things that have existed in display advertising and search and social and video and everything for decades. Uh, Kevel is is based around that mindset and is closer to traditional ad tech. So that is why I think it's really powerful in podcasting because it does work in audio, whether streaming or podcasting, and it does take those core mindset. So it makes it easier for people who know ad tech in general, coming into the podcast space to follow the patterns and the templates that are built out for ad tech.
0: Absolutely. So now that we have had an orientation as to what Kevil is, we'll get into your chat with James Avery in a moment. I want to let listeners know what to expect in your conversation. So this conversation that you're having with James is based off of an article from a few weeks back in Sounds Profitable about buying technology versus building technology. So wanna just set up your conversation based off of that?
1: Yeah, so my whole focus with buying technology versus building technology is really that so many companies are focused on owning tech from the ground up internally, it makes it way more valuable for someone to acquire them, at least in their eyes, and it means that they control the roadmap. But that means sourcing engineers, training engineers, making sure that they have the right uh, subject matter, making sure all the certifications are handled correctly, the maintenance, the infrastructure. It's not a trivial thing. And you can always move towards building something, especially if you rent or you, you pay for it today. So, We go through an example with PRX, we also did a deep dive with Kevil and PRX that's really interesting that you should check out that PRX got Kevil set up in seven days. And at any time, PRX could decide to build their own thing if they really wanted to, but there is enough value and the speed to market was important enough that they could focus on additive things that make PRX unique and spoiler alert for a lot of people out there, there's at least one company, if not two, that I am aware of that are uh, were acquired that use other people's technology as the base of their technology Ooh. and podcast ad tech before they were acquired. Crazy. Yeah. And that's why it's it's all about the service and the connections. It's just a fee. It's a service fee. So whether you're paying a company that is stable and you can trust or you decide to bring it internally, checks get cut. So I think speed to market is more important and then figuring out a long-term strategy in that six to 18 months afterwards is the right way to go about it.
0: All right, so let's get to your conversation with James Avery, who is the CEO and founder of Kevil.
1: James, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Brian. So I love what you're doing with Kevil because it, it really fits this mentality that I have for ad tech and technology. I have been a product manager for a substantial portion of my career, and it's not easy to build product. So the idea of having a company, which Kevin is, that does third-party or external ad serving that anybody can plug in is such an appealing thing to me because ad serving is so complex, and uh, any company should like in podcasting should really be exploring how they can add ad serving to themselves to their own platform, whether it's a host, whether it's an agency trying to build something, there's so many different options. But I don't think that the first move should be, well, let's hire some engineers and just build it. So let's dig into buy versus build, you know, you built an entire company around it, right? This is a solo product, right? You only do ad serving. Kevl on its own doesn't do anything unless it's connected to something. So how wild of a ride was that to be like, let's just be an ad server. Let's let's just be a component that doesn't stand on its own. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think at the end of the day, like it, it goes back to what you were saying. What I find really interesting is people innovating, right? Like people doing yeah. something innovative, right? Like Like the conversations I love is when we have somebody come to us, you know, or I talk to somebody at a conference and they're like, I have this idea right? I want to do this with ads, right? Like I want to build a new social media type of ad, or I want to do something in audio. Like I want to, I want to, you know, think of things differently. And then, so what I want them to do is I want them to focus on the innovation, right? And I don't want them to say, well, the first step is we have to go build an ad server and we have to figure out how to do this, how to do this at high, you know, high capacity, low latency, you know, all the pacing and decisioning and targeting and reporting, all of these things that just get in the way of doing the part that's innovative. So, like, it's funny when we talk about build versus buy. A lot of times we say, "Well, we're not actually either," because if you come to us, you know, like, you're a podcasting company, you know, we're not, we're not like a something you just buy and say, "Oh, now I'm done," right? you probably want yeah, to build a little. You bit. You're going to build it. something on top of us, and so it's kind of like, uh, you know, we'll say like build faster, right? Like, like build or build yeah.
1: faster is like the conversation you should have versus like buyer build. And it's really impressive because PRX uses you guys and we did a deep dive and PRX got the ad server up and running in seven days, which I'm sure they innovated a significant amount down the road, but they were serving ads live in seven days with it. And you touch on like a really important piece is that you don't need to rethink pacing. I don't want to relearn pacing on every single ad server. We've already decided how it works in, in the greater ad tech space. And the sad truth in podcasting is that a lot of podcast ad tech wasn't built by people who have ad tech experience. Right. It was built by smart engineers who understand podcasting, but that's why we have different names for everything, right? <laughs> is it a campaign or a line item or a strategy or a creative? Where is tracking? Where does pacing come into play? Creative rotation, all these features that are like no brainers for somebody entering in from a double click or Google type platform are just. We're we're trying to reinvent the wheel and you have that base, like you said, you could plug it in, but you're gonna innovate on top of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And like in PRX is a great example.
2: Like, you know, they built on top of our APIs. Like they actually came to us. I don't know if they talked you talked about this in the deep dive. When they originally came to us, they were like, you know, we've dug into your API docs. We think you do everything that we need, except that you actually you don't allow people to upload an MP4 file. And we're like well, that's pretty easy, right? So we just go in and change it so you can upload a, you know, MP4 or MP3, and, yeah. you know, like MP3 file uh, or, you know, wave like a couple different audio types. And we're like, okay, so we go make a small change to an input field, right? And now they can upload that. And we made it so they could upload something a little bit bigger, right? Because normally for images, your your limit's a little bit lower. And they're like, great, like we're live, check this out. Right, so like literally for us, like before this, you know, PRX was our first audio customer years ago, That was the only change we had to make so they they the part they did right was figuring out okay we need to actually like mux this into the download and they're like but we know how to do that like we're audio people we're we're podcast people right like this is easy to us whereas they look at what we do and they say oh that's that's totally different where for us it's like well it's easy for us to build this you know ad serving pacing targeting because that's what we do but if you ask us you know how how do we mux this in in real time and match the bit rates and do all this stuff, like we would be, you know, confused and
1: trying to figure out what to do. But I like that because that that siloed approach is really attractive because if someone uses you in any field right now and they're like, well, I want to get into serving podcast ads. They just can Like the ad server works. You build what you want on top of it. You stitch it all together and you make it happen. The ad server is going to be the same across all of it. So you're really enabling people to explore different channels, to build something unique on top of it. And if 10 different customers use Kevl, each output would would actually be different, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be. They could just plug it in and do the same thing, but it's how you process data, what, what data you upload in there, what rules and, and settings you configure to be your defaults, the UI you build on top of it so your customers can can access it from your platform. And that's the stuff that really differentiates companies. We don't need to reinvent everything from scratch every time. We can build on a base layer. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't really come across a lot of companies like yourself, so I'm such a huge fanboy of it.
2: I mean, I think it's you know, the one, you know, somebody we look at a lot is AWS. Right. Like it's kind of, there's a couple of similarities, which is, you know, you can go and use AWS and it's not just like, you're getting a, you know, just a replacement for if you went and put some servers in a rack. Right. And it even sounds crazy to talk about that today, but like, you know, we've been around long enough that like, you know, like it used to be like you put servers in racks. Yeah. But the thing that people don't think a lot about with Amazon is that just by running on Amazon, we get a lot of free improvements. Right. Like there's stuff going on at the kernel level and the OS level and how they're doing virtualization and and things to speed up and make it cheaper. Right. And so when you also think about like we're doing the same thing across a large number of use cases and customers. So when we go make a change to say, oh, you know what, we made pacing five percent more accurate or, or we added a new type of targeting like that's now just available in the platform for all of our customers. And so it could be a different, you know, a distant, a different customer might have said, oh, we have this use case where, you know, we want to figure this out and we kind of work with them to say, oh, like, here's how we could improve the engine to like handle that. But now PRX just gets that improvement for free. Right. They didn't have their engineers go do it. And they maybe they don't want to use that improvement. Maybe it's not a good fit, but it's there and it's available to them. So there's this real like scale economy value around, you know, both development and then also like just, you know, where we're deployed and, the speed of the servers and all these things that, you know, by using us, they just get these free improvements.
1: Yeah. When you think of in podcasting, like the technical aspect of it, right? you have the hosting, you have the ad serving, you have the analytics pipelines, you have any other data pipelines that you're working with, you have the UI and being able to carve out one part and say, Hey, let's have a third party handle this fully. That's really impressive. And, and most of these partners are using third parties to host their files. Like they're not building data centers. Megaphone, I believe, built a data center for it. And that's a lot, right? Like, yeah. I absolutely remember the CTO sending pictures of, like, the computers, the racks that he built because it was the start of COVID and uh, they couldn't get certain hardware. So they're using, like, gaming computer parts
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. to
1: build these things. Like, and it was they're going to cool. best, They're
2: going to Best Buy to cobble together racks. Yeah, yeah, like, it's just... Unless there's, like, a super compelling reason, like, why would you not use, you know, some cloud yeah. company these days? And... And at some point, sure, maybe it makes sense, right? Like at some point, you know, Facebook doesn't run on Amazon, right? Or, you know, companies that are in the top, you know, 1%, maybe they need to run their own data centers. But for most people, like they don't. And that's kind of the same way we feel about building your own ad server. Like, sure, like Facebook built their own ad server. They should. They're doing, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars through it. Uh, But most companies should not be doing that.
1: Yeah. And and, I mean, in other versions, uh, like other channels for ad tech, everybody uses double click campaign manager, right? Like that becomes like a stay on that end. And there's no reason to truly build your own podcasting fell into the pattern it has now because there wasn't anything available for us and we just built it. But I like what you're saying about reasons to build it yourself. And it's, it's kind of when it makes sense, right? When it's financially, when you're paying more for it and you need features that are just not being prioritized or you're not able to do additive work and you're really locked down to only what they have available, Double click won't allow you to build custom stuff on top of it. You, right. you take it or leave it. So with you guys, that's neat, right? You can build your own, you can do all that. But for anybody thinking about it, hiring an engineering team is real difficult. You know, you're, First off, you're looking for people with ad tech experience and those people know what they're worth. And they're not in the podcast industry, which for podcast ad tech, we kind of pay a little bit lower because we're a smaller industry. So the salaries are higher. Now you need product managers and experts on that. And and they're getting poached up by industries like CTV, which are exploding right now because the growth there just works, right? And the eyes are there and it's just a bigger audience today. And so if you want to build all that up, it's a lot of overhead for personnel. Then you got to train them on podcasting you got to build something up from scratch you got to make sure it fits your needs you got to transition over to it and then the maintenance the all the certification types all the security aspects of it yeah i mean lot. not to
2: mention i mean privacy right like we we have full-time i hear people. that's important lately yeah yeah i mean we have we have full-time like multiple people working on understanding privacy laws and security
1: around the world right like it's constantly changing how many people do you have on your privacy team so it's, well, it's two full-time people right now. That's way more than most people in most podcasting right? app. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't need it. Right. Like it, it
2: should be hand, some of the stuff that's like handled for you. Right. And then also, you know, I think the other thing to note on like the engineering side, you know, you mentioned like ad tech experience. Um, like I wouldn't, I can't tell you how many companies we talked to where they tried to build something on their own. Right. And it's, it's engineers who are used to building normal software. That's a normal is the right word. Oh, well, this needs to handle, you know, 20,000 requests a second. Like that's not normal software anymore. No. Right. And to make these decisions super fast and, to yeah. you know, and so it's. Yeah. The output has it to it is five hundred milliseconds. skill set. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, like we yeah. have to hit like 50 milliseconds,
1: right? Like because you know, then the whole thing has to get stitched back in for the people to send it back out yeah the whole yeah, process yeah. is less than 500 milliseconds from the from play to getting back down it's yeah that's a lot the related to that, how many engineers or how big is Kevl overall and how many engineers do you have
2: yes yeah, so we're about uh like 75 people today um about 30 I think it's like 30 and change is is engineering like i think if you count that's, all of r d like product managers and stuff it's like close to like 35.
1: That's awesome, right? That's a level. That's what dedication allows you to do. That would be impossible for even the biggest podcast hosting platform, biggest ad serving platform to really employ specifically for podcasting. I'm sure Spotify overall has way more engineers than that, but dedicated to ad tech, Not, not to analytics, not to hosting, not to the UI of the platform, ad tech. And then two to privacy. I think that as you get to these bigger mega corporations, sure, they do, but not ad-serving privacy, not download privacy.
2: Right. Well, I can imagine, you know, you could look at at Spotify and say, well, sure, they probably have more than 35 people on ad tech. But that's Spotify, which... You could combine the market cap of like every other audio, co- audio company <laughs> in the world and it doesn't add up to Spotify, right? And so it's like, that is like, Spotify is probably that, like the Facebook of audio, right? Like they are the... That's valid. The, right? Like they're the ones, they're big enough, they should build it themselves. And there's also potential that they're going to ruin it all. So it's very much like Facebook.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> No, but it's, I mean, it's a good point. That's a great distinction because we're so afraid of like missed opportunity. And what I like about this is that at any point, somebody who plugs in a third party solution like this could just go, yeah, that check I'm cutting you is just too much. I'm going to build it myself. And they can just do that. Right. Whereas if you go the other way around, like you're firing people, like if you, if you try and build your own ad server and then you switch to a third party solution, like you can't keep paying for all those people
2: yeah well i think it's just like you just look at the trend across the industry right like we see like startups being built on like no code solutions and yep. people are like well that's not going to scale and they're like that's not the point like the hard yep. part is figuring out like will people pay for this like yep. can will we people sell
1: it? use right? it like yeah. will people
2: use it and then and then we can go figure it out so i mean there's definitely cases where you know somebody builds something on us and then later decides oh we need to go build this ourselves but it's pretty few and far between, right? Yeah. Because like, you know, we're pretty flexible, you know, we can scale and people realize like, well, if I'm gonna hire, you know, five or six engineers to do something, I'd rather hire them to do X, because that's gonna make me a lot
1: more money versus hiring them to recreate something they already have, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what advice would you give to ad tech companies in this space who are getting pressure from their investors or their board to get more diverse than what they're really keen, keenly focused on. Like me and you have talked so many times. I was like, ah, just throw in a little hosting and there you go. You're competitive in this space. And you doubt, like completely told me, no, we're, we just don't need to, right? Anybody can partner with us. It can be up that quickly. That's not what we focus on.
2: One, howdy, I, and I will howdy. say we might one day, right? Like sure. I can see it as something that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's an opportunity. Like, I think that like the audio space is just fascinating because it is moving so quick and, you know, so many companies are getting bought up by other companies and, and it feels like there's not really, you know, there's not really good independent options out there, right? Like with, you know, Spotify and iHeart and all these companies have kind of bought up all the major players. Um, so there could uh, one day be an opportunity where we go a little bit further into audio. Um, but I keep hoping somebody else will do it, right? I keep hoping somebody else will come along and say, oh, you know, we've built a great hosting platform. We've hooked in Kevl's APIs to allow, you know, uh, podcast creators to put in their own advertising, but then also access some, you know, maybe some pragmatic ads and things like that. Like, there's, I think there's a market for that. And we're, you know, we're hoping somebody else will go build it. But if we lose our patience, maybe we'll uh, we'll see if you, we can get you over here to to build it for us.
1: <laughs> but that's but like so say like we have all these attribution companies who are doing great. We have all these creative solution companies or market intelligence companies, and I'm I'm so proud of the work they've done. Like I really get to say that as someone who's really enjoys the space and looks at it. But the amount of times I talk to them and they're just like, well, what about this thing that's definitely not in our core competency that people kind of want how what would you what would your advice be to them because i'm sure you've been challenged with that before especially with getting funding and everything like people want you to do more yeah
2: i mean it's it's all it's all like the you have to figure out the opportunity cost right like it's like we have you know i think we could put work into you know specifically going deeper into audio but we could also like right now there's projects that we know will improve ad serving across all of our customers. Yeah. Right. And so like that's that's what ends up winning when we have these like tough prioritization conversations. Cause it's always like there's, you know, like I could we could sit here for like an hour talking about all the things I'd love to do. But then the challenge is like, well, you know, you always only have so much money and time. And so it's figuring out what is the thing that's going to benefit the most of our customers and help us continue to serve, you know, work with people doing anything, right? Like whether it's people who serve ads in cars or billboards or, you know, uh, just about anything out there. And so if we can do things that make everything easier for all of them or better for all of them, that whole market, like that tends to win out over the things that are like focused
1: on one market. Do you do like, uh, do you pull your current customers for something like that? Or do you like... Your salespeople get you feedback. Oh, our customers love to tell us,
2: right? They love to tell us what they uh, what they'd like to see and and change. And then I think you know, we have a great sales team who's talking to people, you know, companies all over the the world, and we get you know great feedback from them as well, like what you know, what's their biggest problem? How can we
1: help them solve that challenge? That's that's awesome. Not an easy thing to do. I I I don't blame anybody for chasing. Things that might not be in their wheelhouse. Uh, I think it's always good to be adventurous. I mean, half the companies wouldn't exist if people weren't adventurous in this space. But it's it is okay to just say that you you do one thing and you do it well and you're the best at it. Well, it's kind of what we things. what we
2: preach, right? Because we go talk to a company like PRX and we say, "You guys, these are the things you know you do amazingly well." Right. So, like, don't become an ad server. Work yeah. with us, right? So then, I, I don't want to go the other way and say, "Oh, PRX, we're going to try to do what you do," because I have no clue how to do what PRX does. Right? Yeah. Like, they do—they do very different things than us. And so, I think it's just a great—it's a great way to do business and and you know, work in the ecosystem. Like, being a platform, people can build on us and uh, you know, can can
1: prosper without having to build what we build. Definitely, definitely a great point of view. So, I like to end things off with asking you what podcast you're currently listening to.
2: You know, the podcast I probably listen to the most right now is Acquired. Yeah. So Acquired's a great podcast. Um, I got a chance to meet uh, one of the one of the hosts when I was out in San Francisco recently at like a meetup. Um, and I think I've actually just finished listening to like every episode. Like I did all the every episode and then every like LP episode. I'm kind of like a completist when it comes to podcasts. So I'm actually in the market for a new a new one to start going all the way through. So I got to decide what's next. Me and you actually met
1: through their Slack channel. Yeah. 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 I super forgot about that. Wow. It's been a while, but that's, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a really great show and uh, I'll see if I can get you some recommendations for something similar. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thank you, Brian.
0: Well, Brian, I'm a fan girl of the fact that you called yourself a fan boy of Kevl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you liked it. I mean, I think I think that I'm in a unique position in what I do. It sounds profitable that like this is my own thing. I, I've end sponsorship agreements. I've turned down product deep dives because I didn't believe in the products. And there are so many cool pieces of technology that I get to just talk about and I get to encourage people to check out. And some of them will stick. Kevil is absolutely not something for everybody, but I think that if you are interested in building ad tech, you should evaluate a conversation with someone like Kevil because they might be able to solve enough of your problems that you can focus on what makes you unique instead of reinventing the wheel. So definitely a huge fanboy of what they're doing there.
0: Yeah. And I think my big takeaway from your conversation is that it's kind of like what I set up at the top of this episode. It's It's not necessarily buy versus build. It's buy and build upon. You know, if you need to get something up and running right away, great. Buy what already exists. People who have been in the game for a while have made something for the purpose of helping you and you and usually they create that with enough flexibility for you to add in your own spice as a company and add in what makes sense for you and your employees and in order to make your product run smoothly. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of um, buying and not reinventing the wheel.
1: The build upon thing is so perfect because that's it. I mean, it, and it doesn't even have to be more tech. It can just be service, right? What makes you unique? You can absolutely get the same thing and then customize it, right? Me and you could have the exact same tech stack and it's, do you want to talk to Brian or Ariel, right? Whose website is better? Whose reports output are better? Whose strategy on how to use the tool is better? That's the build upon, and that's so smart. I'm so glad that you got that out of it.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, Me too, and I hope uh, other folks do as well. One more question that I have for you is that James mentioned that Kevil, he kind of mentioned this in passing, might think of adding some more capabilities to their technology. So first I'd like to ask you, he mentioned hosting. He mentioned potentially moving into the hosting space. What do you think of that? And then more generally, what do you think of companies that have really succeeded at one aspect of things, taking on more.
1: I think that it's an interesting angle, right? Because they're the only third-party ad tech company I know for ad serving. And that's really powerful. And I think hosting is commoditized. It's very easy. Anybody can do it. James Cridlin self hosts. And I think that that's a really important thing to think about, right? It's not that difficult. What becomes difficult is the certifications, IAB certification, in other tech spaces, there's MRC certification. I think that if Kevil decided to get into it, they would it would be easier for them to build out hosting than it would for any other partner to organically build their own ad serving. And so I think it would be really cool to see. I do think hosting's become a competitive market, but I think the differentiation here would be it would be a compelling ad server for people who are used to traditional ad servers or who are looking to make the same ad server across different media types. So that could be kind of neat. They're doing well with just the ad server part. I think they don't have a lot of competition there, but. They don't have unlimited clients. With podcasting, if you have hosting and you can upgrade people to do ad serving or things like that, there's always room for a monthly fee for hosting. There's always room to handle ads on their behalf and take a cut of that. So that's always the allure. I'm constantly impressed by the fact that they've stuck to their guns. I wouldn't be super disappointed if they expanded into it as long as they still focused on the ad server, but it's definitely hard. It is very, very easy to make margin on subscription services.
0: Yeah. And I'm always impressed by companies that say, nope, we're not taking on any more into our larger product capabilities. We are sticking with what we are doing because we know we do it well. And that's what you're going to use us for. And we're not moving on from there because we are successful where we are. And I think that is okay. (laughs) And I think um, too many people in technology, too many people in the podcast space I think they, that they need to build from scratch and you don't, you don't. You need to uh, buy and build upon.
1: I'm right there with you on that. Before we wrap up, here's what's happening this week in the world of podcasting with James Critlin at Pod News.
0: If you want to connect or have any questions or comments for us, feel free to reach out on social media at SoundsProfNews, at Brian Barletta or at Ari This and That on Twitter podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email, or you can reach out to us via the Yappa link in the show's description.
1: This show is recorded with Squadcast, which provides all the remote recording services that we need at Sounds Profitable, from video and audio, and it even has Dolby mastering features. I'm a huge fan of it for the product deep dives and our podcast, so I recommend that you go to squadcast.fm for a free trial. If you haven't already, check out the private feed on Supercast to access narrated articles, early drops of interview episodes, and Sounds Profitable and Español. Check out the link in the episode description.
0: Thank you to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode.